0: everyone, and welcome to another brand new spoiler review episode on
1: The Geek, Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey,
2: hey, hey! Is it cheesy? Yeah. Do we love it? Yeah! <laughs> yes,
0: we do. And we're back to talk episode two cut and run of Star Wars The Bad Batch here on this a uh, particular episode of the Geek Buddies. Uh, it is a spoiler review episode, as we said, so if you haven't watched the episode, please stop here. Go watch the episode of Disney+. Plus. Come on back and pick up where you left off. Uh, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, host here on uh, the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation.
2: I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies.
1: And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Teen Wolf. And joining us yet again, and she's going to be joining
0: us for all sixteen of episodes of these reviews here. Uh, it is the great Laura Kelly. Laura, how are you?
3: I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me again, guys. Happy to be back for all these fun reviews.
0: Absolutely. She's the co-host Force Toad, Toast Pod and the co-host of the Jedi mm-hmm. Way well, here. Yeah. What, what? What? What happened? What was that? Say that again. Say that again. Uh, Force Toast Pod. <laughs> Force Toast Pod. <laughs> there. there it is sorry sorry Alice. i apologize to you, you get well. my
3: show name right or i'm out of here
0: <laughs> <laughs> no getting those green m&ms that was not easy uh anyway we're gonna get into so <laughs> many things here today we talk about this uh, second episode in the season definitely much shorter than that first episode this one clocked in around 30 minutes with credits so we're gonna talk about it all beat by beat. but first uh let's uh give our overall impressions of the episode let's start with our guest laura kelly what did you think overall of this second episode following such a momentum and massive opening uh, uh episode of the season
3: it certainly was momentous and quite long so this one was definitely a little bit more like in the vein of kind of what we're used to in terms of star wars animation mm. um the pacing was still there for me there was a little bit less action than the first episode for sure um but there's there are so many like little star wars great pieces of content in this episode that i really enjoyed and i think i enjoyed it a lot more on my rewatch um, so having watched it sec- a second time, I was fully on board. Um, and you know we're building a little bit more on like the hunter Omega relationship. Um, and I really enjoyed visiting the uh, certain characters that returned from the Clone Wars in this episode as well. So overall, definitely not, I, I wasn't it wasn't as strong as the first episode, but still an extremely strong, really entertaining episode for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have to agree with Laura. On a second rewatch, I found a lot more to discuss. I texted Laura yesterday. I don't know if there's much to discuss here. We should be in and out. And then I rewatched it. I was like, no, nope, actually, there is some philo- philosophical discussions and more to discuss here. Michael, this is from director Brad Rouse, Stuart Lee. It's written by Gersimran Sandu and, of course, Jennifer Corbett, back to write this as well as a
2: showrunner. Talk to me what you thought about this second episode. <laughs> A little bit similar to you guys, uh, you know, obviously after the huge big bang of that super size premiere, mm. uh, this definitely didn't have the same huge impact, but... A lot of times at the beginning of a serialized series, there's certain things that you sort of need to get out of the way, like what are we at why are we actually taking a kid around with us? What are we doing? Mm. And you have an episode that sort of answers some of those questions so that you can kind of put them to bed and dive back into the adventure. And I think this episode did a really nice job of that. I think going back to Salukami and catching up with Cut was a great way in to that to sort of reestablish things. And even though I thought that the heart of the episode was the Hunter and Omega stuff, For me, the most interesting thing in this episode and I feel like one of the things that's going to be most interesting in the next uh, several episodes if not the whole season is actually watching that transition from the Republic to the Empire Mm. because we've seen a lot of we've seen the show we've seen Clone Wars we've seen the stuff where the Republic was there and Palpatine was making his moves and with Rebels we sort of pick up and the Empire is already pretty well established into the original trilogy but Bad Batch is kind of traversing a lot of territory where we're seeing this transition which we've never seen before so that was some of the stuff that I found the most interesting
0: Absolutely. Shannon, I think Mike uh, hits it right on the head here. It's this is the empire of the lost years. We're getting like all these years that we've never had before, all these moments in this transition time. Maybe there's been uh, some stuff on it. I've read every single book that's come out recently. Maybe there's been some allusions to it or some stuff that's been said there. But this is pretty much the transition into empire rule for sure, along with holograms telling you what to do and what have you.
1: And uh, this is an interesting second episode for sure. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, this is this is what has been really great about all of the Star Wars televised properties, or all of the Star Wars televised uh, uh, projects, is mm-hmm. they fill in those gaps in the timeline, and where you, and especially for like the prequels, for for those uh, older fans who weren't as into the prequels as the younger fans, what the Clone Wars did that was so great, which Vocal has spoken to uh, a lot, is is um, kind of uh, padding those characters so mm-hmm. that when you, after you watch the Clone Wars, you go back and watch the prequels and you get something different out of it. Um, Mm. Now, this episode, yeah, yeah. I mean, once you start off with such a bang, like the first episode, you can't have every episode be like that. I mean, this episode is more of an example of what the show will probably be week to week. Now, I think we're still going to get some huge action, but the reason that the action we... we get so invested into it is because we get to know the characters more Mm. and as you start to see this developing relationship between hunter and omega as you get to know tech and wrecker and we already knew echo but i mean you get to know those guys better you become more and more invested in that action so i mean i thought you know the the sequence at the end was uh, a lot of fun uh and yeah i think this is just kind of setting the stage for some bigger stuff that's coming down the line
0: absolutely there are concepts that are being dropped just casually in conversation quickly and moving on just to let you fester with them as a viewer for sure as you watch the next scene roll through i like that they're dropping things that are a little bit bigger than what you're actually watching on the screen appreciate that i thought this episode certainly did that again this idea once again of free will versus choice pops up this idea of family what does it mean to be a family uh, uh all of that seems to really be highlighted here and speaking of the clone wars we certainly get somebody who returns from the clone wars here in this episode as well let's jump into it and last last warning <clears throat> spoiler review if you haven't watched it get the hell out of here go watch it come on back get out and of hang here out with us. so let's pick up where we left off Of course the havoc marauder full of the, the bad batch they've uh, taken off and escaped camino and crosshair and they're heading towards the planet of so luca am, am i saying that right so Luke, you did it yeah no, thank Nailed you did it, it. thank you so much uh we see hunter kind of uh walking out of the cockpit and he sees uh, omega and wrecker both sleeping of course because they're probably about equal in terms of mental intelligence so they're asleep at this point <laughs> together uh omega is tired from exploring the ship but this question comes up uh he asks uh, uh echo asks hunter what are we going to do with a child it's a very interesting concept. She's come onto the scene. Hunter went back for her, made the Bad Batch go back for her. So now there's a responsibility here as a dad. You've taken on this responsibility, and this will come to be in Hunter's face throughout this episode. Uh, as the uh, Havoc Marauder descends into the Salukami, it scatters the Nexu that was hunting several Nuna birds. The ship doors open. Omega shields her eye from the sun, so clearly it's the first time she's seen the sun. She samples the planet's fresh air. She touches the dirt. Then they are Walking later on, the forest of towering Bith, they walk through a, a, a field of plants uh, with fruits hanging off them. She gets fascinated. Omega does by a carrier butterfly. Uh, Echo asks about what uh, asks tech about what friend they're going to see here on Salukamai. Uh, Hunter says that they are staying off the radar and all of and this person's staying off the radar. And then Echo, Echo asks, well, sh- should you trust a deserter? He says, why not? We're all deserters now by that definition. So uh, and then they come upon a possible uh, trap. There's a tripwire. Uh, record trips the wire, which causes some repurposed bat- B-1 battle droids to pop up. Hunter calms record down. And then we meet uh, uh, Sue and Cut, uh, Twi'lek, Twi'lek Sue Laquan. I hope I'm saying that right. Is that right, Laquan? Laquane, am LaQuan, am I saying that right? Laquan, Laquan, right? And her clone husband, Cut, who is there. They are old friends who recognize the clones. They're introduced to each other. When Cut asks about Crosshair, Hunter adjusts his Facebook status to it's complicated. And then Cut and Hunter discuss (laughs) Rex, who has apparently just been there, and informed Cut and Sue about the clone troopers turning on the Jedi. Rex also warned them about the arriving Imperial presence. And they explain uh, about the inhibitor chips a little bit more that caused the clone army to kill all the Jedi. Omega explains the, that the Kaminoans implanted uh, uh, inhibitor chips in the clones to modify their behavior. Hunter recalls that Tech said that regulars were programmed to never mention their chips, and Tech comments that this is why Order 66 works so well. So an incredible beginning, certainly Omega kind of sampling everything for new, but then, Michael, we get a lot more of this inhibitor chip conversation, this impending doom of the Imperial, and we come upon a clone who apparently did not ha- fall prey to Order 66, Cut, who we saw, I think, in episode, season two, rather, of The Clone Wars. Talk to me about this opening. Uh,
2: yeah, so a couple things. Uh, I'm I'm really, uh, I really like, first of all, before we dive into the clones uh, for mm. Cut and everything, I'm really liking how they're using Echo. Uh, right. You know, I, I think we talked about it briefly last week, or if not, I just wrote about it in a comment somewhere, but I felt like the uh, the rest of the Bad Batch were really, really well-defined, and yeah. Echo was sort of just hanging out there, and we know what he can do as part of the team because of what he went through, and of course we know him from knowing him as one of the clone troopers in Clone Wars, but how he fits into this team and what, he, what his vibe is with the rest of the Bad Batch is a little bit undefined. And mm-hmm. I kind of like, uh, whether it's in that very opening scene where he's the one who's like, what are we gonna do with a kid? Or when they're walking up to the farmhouse Where he's the one who's like, who is this guy? Should we trust a deserter? You see that of all of them, Echo is still sort of holding on to that sort of regular clone mentality. That he's the one that's still a little bit more of the, these are the rules, this is what we're supposed to do. Uh, And then we'll talk a little bit more about him and Tech and their relationship later in the back half, which I thought was really fun. But I think they're using Echo really well. Also, I've seen a lot of people point this out online but the things on his head sure do make him look like Lobot from Empire Strikes Back. So (laughs)
1: like,
2: I'm like, wait, Lobot does these things. Echo does these things. Are we getting a little bit of uh, something something here? Um, So I thought that was really interesting. Omega's adorable. Omega was giving me a 1,000% Rapunzel Disney princess vibes. Like Mm. when she got off that ship and was like, what is this? And they're like, it's dirt. It was a thousand percent Rapunzel (laughs) coming out of the tower for the first time, and I was here for it. I thought it was great. And then I think, like I said, using Cut uh, and Sue and their family as sort of the place to go was really great. Because that episode in season two, uh, you know, was one of those first, uh, not one of those first episodes, but in season one and two in Clone Wars was where you all of a sudden realized that we were going to get to really get into some bigger discussions about clones and individuality, and even in season two, meeting Cut, him and Rex having the relationship and the discussions they had, this was like a lovely continuation of that. And to sort of see the changing uh, shape of the galaxy as the Empire was kind of making their move through this family that we already knew, I thought was really, really smart um i think that all the stuff with the inhibitor chips was great it was a little bit of like a review uh for everybody just to remind everybody what was going on but it was also really nice to just see uh to see omega kind of what she brings to the table Mm. like she clearly knows a lot more about what's going on like tech has figured a lot of it out because he's smart But Omega really does have a lot of information, and I have a feeling we're going to continue to see uh, the amount of information she has, uh, and probably some stuff that she's keeping secret, uh, you know, potentially. So how much does she really know about what was going on on Camino with Order 66, with the inhibitor chips? Yeah. Um, And then as far as cut goes, I did, like, as I was watching this, I had a question, and I saw a couple different theories online, and I wanted to bring it up to everybody here, like... So why didn't he his inhibitor chip work? Is it like, did you have to hear Order 66 for it to work? Has he been what? out of the mix for so long? Like, I'm really curious, because that's something that they sort of glossed over a little bit. Like, mm. we know why the Bad Batch's inhibitor chips didn't work, with the exception of Crosshair, which sort of worked. But Cut, you would think that he would have just been like, farming or chasing some uh chasing some nunas or something and all of a sudden would have been like a good soldier follows orders so i was a little curious as to why his didn't i was totally okay with it i accept the fact that it didn't but it was a question that came up for me
0: okay laura talk to me about this opening and then maybe answer michael's question why do you think this happened uh why did what do you think it didn't happen for cut
3: Sure. And I definitely want to address that theory because I I do have a theory of my own, I think. Um, Mm. In terms of this opening, I agree with Michael 100% that I really love the way that they're using Echo in this episode. I'm excited Mm. to get into uh, some of the sort of banter he has with tech a little bit later. Um, I think for the most part in this episode, we're getting a lot of Echo sort of acting as like the audience that may or may not have actually watched The Clone Wars before. Yes. Um, he Or maybe they watched it and just don't remember it all that clearly because we're having to sort of reestablish like, OK, who is Cut? Who is Sue? What's the deal with them? And it was uh, it was really fun, I think, to bring both of them back. Um, mm-hmm. Part of my theory for answering Michael's question is that I think we're going to see more of Cut. I have a feeling we're going to be bringing that character back at some point later in the season. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll learn a little bit more then about what happened with his inhibitor chip um, okay. and, or what didn't happen. Um, But I really enjoyed this scene. I loved a lot of the scene with uh, with Omega coming off of the ship. We get a Mm -hmm. little bit of like, it's sort of like the other side of Anakin hating sand where she just drops (laughs) to her knees and is just picking up the dirt and letting it run through her hands. It's just really, it's this really great little, you know, juxtaposition there between what we saw. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful piece of score that's playing over the scene where she's, you know, kind of dancing around in the dirt and saying that it's amazing and it's just very cute and very pretty. Um, I, I really enjoyed the scene of the uh, <laughs> the Nexu coming back um, <laughs> into Star Wars or taking other parts of Attack of the Clones or bringing them into this show and I'm totally here for it. I love the little <laughs> prequel drops that we're getting in this show. That's for sure. um, But yeah, one of the things with Cut Laquan, if you do want to go back and revisit this, this episode in season two of The Clone Wars, it's called The Deserter. Um, where we learn a little bit more about him and uh, how Rex came to know him and sort of how their relationship builds in that episode and how it evolves. Um, mm-hmm. So I love the idea that that when we leave Rex at the end of season seven of the Clone Wars, that that is where he goes, that yeah. he goes back to cut and Sue into the Lepan farm. Um, I thought that that was really cool. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what happened in that scene. That's why yeah. I'm kind of hoping that maybe we get a little bit more uh, from cut and from Sue later in this season. Um, but yeah, I think that this was great. We've got uh Sue is a really, really great. She's a sharpshooter. She's got a yeah. little bit, you know, I love that she kind of recognizes that the bad batch, we know that they have an established relationship. They've been there before we have uncle wrecker is yeah. the, uh, relationship he has with the kids who are, This is one of those things that was sort of tackled in the Clone Wars. Those children are very unusual looking. Um, They're a little bit easier. They're a little bit easier on the eyes in this sort of design style and this animation that we're seeing when you see them in season two of the Clone Wars. They're they're just a little bit weird looking. Um, But I think (laughs) basically that the thing that they don't say in this episode is that Cut Laquan is not actually their their biological father. He's their adoptive father. We don't know who their human father is. Yeah. Um, but this is he's obviously very attached to them and has become a very great father to them. And I love seeing how he brings that in a sort of instructing Hunter throughout the episode later on, too. Yeah, um,
2: yeah absolutely. In,
3: in terms. Yeah. In terms of Michael's uh, theory, I think that, number one, we're going to revisit Cut later. Number two, Salukamai is a huge planet. We don't actually mm. know where they were when Order 66 took place. And when I say they, I mean, like Stas Ali was the Jedi master who was killed on Seleucamide during order 66 by her batch of clones. Um, but that could have been happening on like the other side of the planet. Mm, sure. and I have a Good feeling point. that if like, if there isn't a Jedi in your immediate, like your the proximity, maybe it just wouldn't have really affected anything. Like he would have gotten that message of been like, well, there's nobody around. So I think I'll just hang out. Um, but I, okay. I think that I almost wonder that if we're going to, see cut again later in the season and if he does happen to come across a force user at some point whether it's one of the jedi that we know are alive or ahsoka tano or something like that that maybe he might react maybe. in a sort of way but i that's just my theory is that there was nobody in the proximity so okay. I'm not sure all
0: right shannon let's go to you here man uh what did you think overall about this opening intro and then how do you answer uh michael's question that he posed as well
1: yeah, one, I think I, I love that they dropped the Clone Wars narration at the beginning because one, yeah, the Clone Wars okay. are over, but also this is now its own show. Like they Good use point. that as sort of like some connective tissue from one into the other. Um, oh I love the shot of Omega and Wrecker passed out with with all of these things opened. It looked like two kids <laughs> on Christmas morning, right. you know, after, after all of the, after the, you know, that that adrenaline has worn off from, from opening your presents. I um, it's like literally like they're, everything's open and they're just, you know, passed out. I was like, oh, that's that's really funny. That was a nice, that was a nice move. Um, it's interesting what you guys said about Echo because I think initially in the promos, you see Omega and we just, or, or rather, I just sort of assumed like this is, this is our window into this mm. world and it is to a degree, but it, it is more echo. I mean, it is someone yeah. who is new to the world of the Bad Batch because for Omega outside of Camino, everything is new. So I mean, one, it's yes, it's a, it's a very sweet moment. You you get to see sort of this, you know, the wonder of a child. Seeing things for the first time, um, I thought it was interesting with uh, Sue's kids uh, that the daughter, uh, the o- the older they get, it seems like the more blue she is becoming. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, was did, was it a human father, or, or is this just the way Twi'leks grow? It's supposed um, to be a
0: human father. Yeah, um, is it a human? Right. Yeah, we, yeah, it's impl- yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, to the to the the cut order sixty six of it all, um, I. I hope this is revisited because otherwise, I do think this was a a missed opportunity in the okay. storytelling. Like, I do actually think, like, yes, if you are not aware of a Jedi's presence, you wouldn't necessarily know what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, the assumption is that all of these clone war, all of these clone troopers are going to be uh, headed by by a Jedi, mm-hmm. and so I mean, I don't think if you're away from it from, I think an inhibitor chip works no matter. No matter you're with the clones or if you're not, I mean, I think that doesn't affect the the uh uh how much the chip will work. but if you're not aware of anything around you, um I, I don't think because even like thinking about when we watched it in Clone Wars when order sixty six mm-hmm. happened, they didn't become automatons, like they didn't become zombies, right. like they literally like, hey, we got we gotta go kill this person and then after it was over, like it was over, like they kind of went back to how they were, so mm-hmm. I see I well, can see. Cut having a blip. Hold on. I I could see Cut having a blip Mm -hmm. and not really knowing what it was and then just kind of caring about his day.
2: Okay. I think that's true. I do think there is a very subtle uh, bit of retconning going on, which I think is good, is that because we've never really addressed what happened to the clones post Order 66, what we're seeing, and we see a lot in this episode, is that not only did the clones execute Order 66, but post that they all kind of became assholes. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's definitely, <laughs> we'll on the like, show, in this yeah, episode. like, they've yeah, they've definitely, like, uh, Order 66 wasn't just kill the Jedi and then go back to normal. Order 66 was kill the Jedi and then basically become a much more aggressive mm-hmm. uh, trooper than you were before. So I think that's amazing. We'll see it in a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I I, I think it's uh, – I lean more towards the fact that there are no Jedi around, so there is no need to activate him in this way. It doesn't make any sense because the other clone troopers were handling it. But there must be a reason that Rex came to uh, Cut, and then the Bad Bash subsequently, not a day later, come to Cut. So Cut must be some kind of – he must represent something that they instinctively uh, uh, know to go to, to talk to or touch base with here in this situation and he's a pretty progressive guy took his wife's last name give him respect respect <laughs> to the man i gotta give it up to the guy uh also let's uh, let's move on here cut and sue's children as uh, laura just mentioned come running in wrecker is delighted to see them uncle wrecker there they check out omega because there are no children here and they walk out with her to play they're playing catch and true to form omega asks what's the purpose of this game so they cut to uh, and then they get some intel on omega from hunter uh hunter explains to cut and sue uh that uh, she might be a, she's a uh, like them a defective clone but then cut ominously says the community the don't create anything without a purpose so I'm holding on to that. I still think she's a spy. Hunter pushes back on her uh, purpose and says she's just a kid. Then Cut makes a joke that battling droids was easy compared to raising a child. Uh, Hunter says they had no choice but to go back for her. Cut says uh, Salukamai is also not safe and that Rex warned them that Imperial cold troopers are going to show up. Hunter tells Cut that he plans to travel to a nearby spaceport to book them off-world transport. Invites Cut along. Cut says the Hunter is a wanted man. That is too risky. Cut says he has to do what is best for the children. And Hunter watches with a smile as Omega plays ball with the Laquan children. So we'll stop here real quick, and then will move on to the next scene. What do you think this uh, means that uh, that uh, Cut says here, uh, Laura, the Kaminoans do not create anything without a purpose, and this idea of, an idea of Omega still discovering everything as she goes along. We're seeing this father role being played by Hunter, like slowly but surely throughout this episode here. What did you think Cut meant first, though?
3: That's hard to say. And I kind of think that maybe my, my very uh, interesting theory, I think about, about uh, uh, Omega being a, cl- or being like a force sensitive being has probably been already debunked, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Um, I do think that she, uh, I do think that, yeah, that she, if she was created for some sort of purpose, I think we're going to hopefully find out soon. I still not sure if we know. Exactly what that little metal headpiece is mm. um, that she wears, and she takes off at some point later in this in this episode. But I, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I think that Cut definitely has a point that they're not creating anything without any kind of you know intention. Yeah. There was definitely something there. I still don't think that she's a spy. Okay, but and I'm really hoping that she's not a spy, but just because she's just so adorable and precocious. True, but I, I think that there's definitely something there whether it was just like enhanced intelligence or enhanced curiosity or something i truly am not sure at this point okay. uh, i don't really have a theory but i do think that uh I, I really am hoping that we don't draw out this sort of questioning process too much longer it'd be nice to to have a little bit of a hint or an answer as to what exactly her enhancement or defect is depending on i i guess who you are
0: yeah uh uh shannon some people pointed out that her hairstyle is very similar to palpatine do we have a palpatine clone oh god what what, what is your thoughts on uh
1: what uh, cut said about uh, omega here i mean i definitely don't think she's a palpatine clone i at mean, right. her hair i i thought of cuts hair from season two and it was kind of just grown out a little bit a fair enough just a different color but yeah i mean I, I one there was a moment in the episode and i'll and i'll Say I'll talk about it when we get there. That I thought for sure I'm like, oh, Laura was right. Laura was right. Here comes, here comes a force. <laughs> um, but but agreed. Like yeah, I mean this is clearly going to be one of the mysteries of the season going forward. Is like mm-hmm. what what is Omega's deal? Because that that headpiece that she has on is that a, an insignia of Camino? I know one of the the Caminoans had it was yeah. was wearing it around her neck as well. So I didn't know if that was is that the Camino sort of sigil or or is or is that just something that connects her to that one particular Kaminoan? I wasn't sure.
0: I don't think we know yet, do we? Um,
3: uh, yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, Michael, what do you think about this uh, thing that cut references? <clears throat> it Could she be a protector of the Bad Batch, not a spy, possibly, when this all goes
2: down, Whoa. since she looks like an amalgamation of all four of them? I don't think that whatever the Kaminoans Camino- the, the, the Camino- the created her for... Mm -hmm. necessarily has to do with the Bad Batch. Like, that's a big jump. That's a big jump to say they decided to make the first ever female version of the Django Fett clone Mm -hmm. for reasons to say, we're going to make this thing because maybe at some point the Bad Batch is going to defect and then we'll have this thing that's going to go with that. Like, there's a lot of hoops to jump through to say that's the reason. Um, I think there's some other reason. Uh, I, I... you know, I still think Laura's, we were trying to make a Force-sensitive clone. Because, mm. uh, you know, like, in addition, when Cut says, you know, she's definitely, uh, there's there's more going on here. Like, she's the only female clone. Like, that yep. is a big difference, regardless of what else she can do. True. Um, so why did they make a female clone now? After years and years and years of just, like, yeah. popping out these other clones, why now? Why this one? What was the reason? Does it have to do with the Force? Does it have to do with trying to create someone who can do all the... The only way it might tie to the Bad Batch is knowing that they each have these qualities and trying to make a perfect clone that can do all of those things might be something. But I do think there's definitely a reason. There's definitely a secret to Omega. Um, And I think a lot of it will tie into why they created a female clone. Like I think that is definitely a big key to it because that is the off the bat, before we know anything else, like I said, the biggest difference. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I'm a, I'm kind of with Laura. I'm curious how long they will drag the mystery of it out before we get our big reveal. Uh, I kind yeah. of hope it's sooner than later so that we can find out what it is and let it like just propel the story forward. I think- um, the only other... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. No, I mean, the only other thing I was going to say is uh, watching Omega play Catch with the kids gave me PTSD to every PE class I ever had in my life because that is that is how I was in every PE class yes. I've ever taken. Like, what do we do with this ball? Throw it at me. Oh, cool. I can totally see you going, what's the point of this game? This makes it
1: (laughs) (laughs) happen more than once. Happened more than once. (laughs) Same (laughs) line of dialogue delivered with a different intention. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's move on later that day. Cut and Hunter go into town. They have a combo about what the clone troopers should be doing post uh the clone wars here cut explains that the imperials have started confiscating all the ships like a week ago says they're tagging them inside of an impound lot cut plans to book this family his family's passage off world so they can start a new life on a distant planet hunter adds that this uh, that is that the key is to not be found Then cut says something real interesting he tells hunter the way to do that is to disappear stop being a clone and put your life as a soldier behind I think this is a foreshadowing, possibly, where Hunter just goes off with Omega and becomes the dad to this clone. I just have a weird feeling that that's where we're going to end up by the time this whole thing is over. Just then, they're greeted by an Alina merchant, who is, this is an awesome sequence, who asks them what they want. Cus says he wants to book this passage. The Alina says, it's gotten more difficult under the Empire. And he needs to have a chain code to travel off-world. A chain code? Legally per the new Galactic policy, then we see a hollow projector of an Imperial officer announcing that all citizens can exchange their invalid currency for Imperial credits. That the war is over. That the Empire promises peace and prosperity. Where have I heard that before? Uh, and the and the man ushering in this or in this hologram is Vice Admiral Rampart. I discovered a human Imperial officer. And uh, just then we see a frustrated Snivian traveler. Uh, going up against a couple of clone troopers who keep pushing him off he's like i've got to get on this ship they push him off because he doesn't have the chain code and they send him down to go get his chain code uh uh or afterwards and then cut says getting off this uh, planet is going to be harder than they thought so shannon this is uh, an interesting mix we've got a hologram telling us everything is going to be fine then we've got, his Michael reference. these clone troopers being kind of assholes, shoving this poor Snivian traveler to the ground. This guy desperately, clearly had to make some kind of date or business function or whatever, <laughs> and then eventually went over to get his chain code. This is the impending dread of the imperial, uh, uh, so the empire, rather, having control here, uh, don't you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what, what Vogel said at the beginning of kind of figuring out this is the transition from a republic to to an empire yeah um hunter's line that the troops should be pulling their forces not securing a post the war is over Mm -hmm. and the galaxy by and large they don't know what that means to go from republic to empire i mean on the surface it's just a name change but it's like suddenly they're they're literally tagging you that they want to find out where everybody is and i think the chink like i like I like that they're introducing a concept in one Star Wars property and using it in another, because I think chain codes were introduced in the Mandalorian. It yes. was just, mm-hmm. just some yeah. sort of, you know, uh, identifier. And now to see the larger implications of what that meant, I mean, is really interesting. And vice Admiral Rampart, that is my good friend, Nosheer Dalal. Oh. <laughs> if you, if you uh, are a video gamer, um, he, he's been in some of the, some of the biggest games. He was in Star Wars squadrons. He was in uh, red dead redemption 2 um not english he is americans but mm-hmm. but there's that moment of you kind of look down and you hear a voice that's kind of similar then like let me look this guy up like oh that's my friend nosh so uh i <laughs> texted with him afterwards i'm like hey congratulations man that's so awesome he is a he's fort knox when it comes to ndas like he he will not wow. he, he he does not tip his hand whatsoever and thing? i was like so are we gonna see more of uh vice admiral rampart Stonewall got
2: nothing
0: <laughs> out of him. Uh, probably because you were about to spill the tea if he said anything. So, well, I, I wouldn't have been
2: up <laughs> if, he <told laughs> me, if he told me. Yes, I,
0: smart move. No. Sh- uh, all right, Michael. What do you think is happening here? Are we just kind of laying the seeds a little more about how the the empire is going to be and how these clone troopers are going to be used in forceful yeah. ways by this empire?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like I said at the beginning, like this is one of my favorite things about this episode is from a bigger world-building Star Wars thing is just watching this transition happen and kind of watching everyone's confusion, like watching watching everybody not understand. And like, you really do realize the fullness of like, I'll give, you know, as, as much as it's been well-documented on the show that I'm not the biggest fan of the original trilogy, you've <laughs> got to give Lucas credit for the bigger picture of things, which is this... Throw the galaxy into just utter turmoil, where planets are at war with planets, there's war, you're just tired of the fighting, everything is going on every single day, there's clones and droids, everything's blowing up, and then all of a sudden it just stops, and this galactic empire shows up and says, hey guys, war's over, we're giving you peace. We're giving you a new monetary system. You can't really use the monetary system unless you get this chain code. So, why don't you get the chain code and why don't we register everything for your safety now that the war is over? And you can really sort of start to accept the way that people would be like, okay, like this this makes sense. Like, I'm feeling a little weird about what's going on, but the war is over and they're saying that this is better now. Like, you can really sort of see how. It wasn't just like these big mustache twirling bad guys flying in and being like, "We are your new masters." You're like, "Okay, I kind of like, I can accept that a galaxy that had been ravaged by the Clone Wars for years would kind of will- willingly or at least unwittingly go along with this." And I think it's really neat. And then, like I said, watching the clones uh, kind of roughhouse with everybody and kind of like kind of be just more aggressive, you do realize that Order sixty six has sort of irrevocably changed the clones. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that they just did this one move and said, yep, I guess the Jedi were bad, but now we're back to being the good clone troopers that we are. There is just a higher level of aggression. They're they're acting more like what we assume, what we know stormtroopers to act like. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting to watch this transition as they phase out the clones or whatever they do and start replacing them, uh, as Tarkin kind of alluded to in the first episode, with uh, cheaper labor, who has much worse aim. Yeah, Laura, this is an interesting thing Michael brings up,
0: right? Because, I mean, this idea is we've been – and I wonder asking overall here because you're such a massive Star Wars fan, you've been talking about this for such a long time, the idea that um, we loved the Clone Troopers through Clone Wars, now the Bad Batch series is kind of making us turn on these Clone Troopers a little bit, seeing the worser parts of them. So those warm, fuzzy feelings we felt for the Clone Troopers overall – starting to go away a little bit as they become a little more aggressive and we actually saw their armor looks like it has changed mm-hmm. more closer to what we see from the stormtroopers coming up a little bit later on in this timeline what do you think about this whole sequence and that particular uh, uh concept
3: well i kept forgetting that they were not stormtroopers every time i saw them <laughs> i had to like kind con- of continuously yeah. remind myself like what time period we're actually in um, but you know, the, kind of the way that you're talking about the empire and how the this monetary exchange and chain code business has been brought about, it did, it, it does sort of make me think back to things like reading the novel Lost Stars and how there are characters in that book that are supposed to be our protagonists that are like all for the empire. And you kind of understand, we're laying the groundwork now and kind of understanding why that is. If you lived on a planet that was ravaged by a war during the Clone Wars, whether you were a separatist or with the Republic, you can kind of see the advantage of somebody coming in with the propaganda of the war is over, we're gonna start taking control and make everything more orderly. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of laying the groundwork there. Um, I, I got to say, there's a little bit of rhyming here in this whole sequence with the Phantom Menace where we're talking about exchanging credits because the Republic credits are no good here. Um, we've got this <laughs> blue Alina uh, alien whose name I can't pronounce, but she's voiced by Nika Futterman, who everybody uh, should know as mm-hmm. as playing Asajj Ventress if you're a Star Wars Clone Wars fan. Um, but she's she's the same species as Ratz Tyrell, who is also mm-hmm. in the Phantom Menace. He's the mm-hmm. only uh, character pod racer who actually dies in the pod race um but yeah there's there's a little bit of rhyming there with phantom menace which i appreciate fully and the fact that we're kind of seeing all of these clones kind of become a little bit more aggressive we know that it's coming that eventually they're going to be commissioned we just don't know exactly Mm. when i almost wonder if we're going to end up kind of rolling back to at some point, we're going to start empathizing with these clones again as they're getting decommissioned and we're suddenly having to explore again the philosophy of we were created for the purpose of war. Now there's no war. Now they don't need us. Now what? So I'll be yeah. curious to see if they ever take this story in that direction again or if we're just going to kind of leave all of these Order 66 minded clones um leave that storyline for another time perhaps
0: that's a that's a fantastic point laura this idea how it could mirror real life of the soldiers that go to war for our country for numerous decades what their lives are like the ones who are really good at it and have a taste for it and love it what do they do afterwards how do they transition back into regular life can they do it you know if you want to watch a classic film pat and watch that is desperate desire to hold on to war hold on to being a soldier because he didn't want to go back to civilian life what that can do so i wonder if they do explore that with the clones low-key throughout this as a, as a, a storyline could be interesting. Uh, all right. We go back to Omega and uh, uh, Laquan children playing. We get a, a situation here with a sneering Nexu when she runs after a ball past the fence, uh, both Hunter and uh, Sue take care of business here. Sue's a hell of a shot. Uh, Hunter and her have a little bit of exchange where he says he forgets how how go- he forgets how good of a shot she was. Uh, pretty interesting. stuff. the last time you saw Nexu, I think was was attacking the clones. The CGI creature there in the gladiator battle down there in the arena. Uh, but Shia comes in and tells everyone that Omega is in danger. That's how they all kind of figure this all out overall. But back in the hut, Hunter asks if Tech could create some false chain codes for the Quans to travel off world. Tech says they only learned them a moment ago, but he agrees. He thinks he can figure it out. I love that it like seconds. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah I could probably figure it out. Uh, but Hunter is determined to get cut, Sue, and their kids uh, on the next uh, shuttle off world uh but omega gets yelled at after this whole situation happens with the next two by hunter not in a a, a, a aggressive way but certainly a i was afraid for you kind of way and cut us to come in and pick her up and it's just a classic thing where he like says she's asks if she's okay Picks her up, carries her over, and Hunter's got to learn this lesson of how to be a better dad, a more understanding dad. Uh, and then we go to Omega sitting in this Rears Gunner seat. She's clearly emotional. She's tearing up a little bit. She removes the amulet from her head, holds in her hand, looks out, sheds a tear, uh, and then Hunter and Sue have a conversation about children always finding a way to get into trouble. She adds that protecting them is what they do as parent. Uh, parents when hunter asks where's omega cut says she wanted to stay on the ship hunter says she's been th- hunter says he's been thinking about things that omega should go with cut and sue and when they go off world so he wants to offload omega laura on uh, to this uh one family oh, what's your thoughts as we go into all of this here we're making a transition hey you got to be a better father uh you know what i think being a better father is giving her off to someone else who's a family what do you think about all of this
3: I thought immediately of little Grogu. So, <laughs> is, There's is a lot of uh, a lot of Mandalorian influence, I think, in this part of this show. Yeah. Um, however, I am sort of glad that we kind of, we do reconcile it within this like 28 minute episode rather than over the course of two seasons. So, and, and obviously it ends a little bit differently, but um, I really loved this scene where we have Cut Laquan sort of demonstrating, not really telling, but full on demonstrating to Hunter how he needs to be a better Mm -hmm. dad and how he needs to remind him that this child is not a soldier. She's just a child. And she has absolutely like no experience in the real world. Um, And how he sort of bends down. He's just like, Hey, are you hurt? I'm just glad that you're okay. Like he very much has to sort of demonstrate to Hunter, I think. And I I really enjoyed that scene. Um, I I love the scene of Omega sitting in the gunner sheet, Mm -hmm. the gunner seat in the ship. Um, looking up at the sky, we've actually we've seen Ezra Bridger in this exact same position in season four of Rebels, and so we, as soon oh, as yeah. I saw that, I was getting like Ezra Bridger vibes, which she is just cool. making her even more endearing to me as a character. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that Hunter then you know gets angry at her at first, and that's what sends her sort of running off. But you know, she's not like she's not angry at Hunter. Mm-hmm. I think she you know we learn that she's an adolescent, and you would sort of almost expect her to to become angry and sort of rebel when somebody would yell at her like that. But the, it just kind of re- sort of reinforces the fact to me that she's actually half that age, you know, like she mm. might look like an adolescent, but she's probably she's only got the sort of experience of more like a six or seven year old. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so it, it's really just kind of more just enforcing for me. Like she is supposed to be, I think, a little bit of like our Grogu in this in this show, mm. um, which just. It makes me absolutely love her and want to just collect little figurines of her to have
0: everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, uh, thoughts on this? And you know, being a good dad versus—I mean, I'm sure your dad—you uh, know—he's got a big booming voice, but I'm sure he knew the moments when to pick you up and when to kind of call you out on stuff. What did you think about this? All?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dad, Dad had some cut moments. He had some hunter moments. It was there's a lot of there's a lot of moments in childhood. I'm I, sure there I, was. I, sure. I was uh I was precocious. I was precocious. Let's say I that. I imagine
0: you would have told uh, me to run after the ball. I imagine, yes.
2: Well Yeah, I wouldn't have run after the ball. I would have run away from the ball. But anyway, regardless. Um, no, I thought there was I do think there is something funny when you like to Laura's point, uh, when you are looking at Mandalorian and then you look at Bad Batch, you're like There is some serious, I don't know that I know how to be a dad vibes going on into the DNA of these shows. Like, let's give someone who clearly has no business being a parent uh, a parental role, and then Mm -hmm. let's watch them stumble around not knowing what to do until they figure it out. And it's charming. It's what made us love Mando. It's why we're instantly falling in love with Hunter way more than I thought we would. I thought Hunter was just gonna kind of be this like super type A badass Hunter tracker character and instead he's just this big old softy which is kind of adorable um and kind of watching him struggle and i love you know like they do a really lovely job of to to laura's point cut and sue don't come in and say hey hunter you're being a shitty dad let us explain to you how it's done they show they don't tell like they just do what they do and we as the audience are watching hunter watch them and kind of see Uh, And, you know, it's what's really kind of lovely about all this is when Hunter says, uh, this is no world for Omega, Uh, you know, she shouldn't be with us, she should be with you guys, that's half true. The other half is that he is feeling completely out of his depth. Yeah, like he's trying oh. to—he's trying to avoid this as well because he's like, "Fuck, I went and saved this person, this clone, because she was defective like us, or I—you know—I felt this desire to have her be part of the team, but I bit off way more than I could chew, which is kind of what Echo said in the very first scene, and I kind of want to offload this because I don't know what to do about it, and so I think that's the other piece of it. And then, as far as Omega sitting uh, sitting in the ship. A, the fact that she takes that medallion off her head and kind of looks at it is just a giant spotlight on the fact that that thing is important. It's not just decoration. Like whatever it is, to Shannon's point, uh, it is important. Omega knows at least somewhat what it means. Uh, and looking at that and kind of having this reflective moment means that we're definitely going to come back to this. And then to Laura's point, I did. You know, you're looking at Omega in this moment, and I thought of, I thought of the amazing job that they've done in the in the animated universe in Mandalorian. They've given us Ahsoka Tano, who was this char- this young character who kind of looked off into the stars and like was looking at these Jedi and wanted to be just like them. They've given us Ezra Bridger, who was this uh, kid who didn't know where his parents were, didn't know that he even wanted to be a part of the rebellion. They've given us Grogu, and now they're giving us Omega. They are literally stacking the deck for the next generation of amazing Star Wars characters True. that we are going to care about and love as much as we've ever cared about Han, Leia, Luke, mm. Lando, any of them, and I think it's pretty awesome.
0: Well, slow down, slow down. Maybe we'll see I'm later. just saying. We'll
2: see. They're also selling toys.
0: Way to go, Disney. Uh, but Shannon, talk to, about, <laughs> talk to me about talk to me about this whole situation. Do you like this? And uh, you know, is the amulet? Is that her thinking about her mom? Is Nala say, in essence, a mom figure here? Was that that moment of her wanting her mom after her dad yelled at her? Is it? What do you think about this whole scene?
1: I mean, I think that I think that's entirely possible, but also Mm -hmm. not say helped her, you know, allowed the Bad Batch to leave for a reason because she's like, yeah, you know, the kid is probably not going to be safe here. Whatever we did to her, however we designed her, it could be a value to these people who who may not have the best intentions anymore. Um, when the next two kind of popped up as as Omega was chasing the ball, that's when I was like, "Oh, Laura was right. Laura was right. She's about to do she's about to do the Grogu mudhorn in just a second. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> but then when they get back into the house and Hunter is sort of uh, uh, disciplining her, yeah, probably not in the most constructive way. Um, I, I don't see him trying to offload her, and maybe and maybe I just have issue with that that term Uh, i'm sorry i don't mean
0: it in a negative way i think he's doing it from a good place but he is trying yeah Yeah. i think it's just
1: i I think he's thinking yeah echo was right like this is we are on the run we are fugitives and maybe this is not the best place for a kid despite the fact that she is she is one of us so but but how laura what laura said about uh cut immediately kind of getting on omega's level asking if she's okay it's like oh yeah this is what this is what uh, an experienced parent does
0: yep and you see why Sue ha- has you know is quite happy to have caught uh, be her uh life partner and help her in this parenting of her two children that's a smart move overall yeah I, I didn't mean to imply that he was offloading I just meant to the- from a good place I <laughs> think it's a better better situation for her to be in for sure and I bet if crosshair was there he'd probably be like I told you <laughs> anyway, all right. So
1: <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure he probably would have said that at that moment. All right, we go back to the Havoc Marauder. Let's get through this. We want to run through this real quickly. Michael, I'm going to go to you on this one first. Of course, Echo and, T- uh, and Tech are discussing the irony of clones wanting names rather than numbers, and that people are signing up to be given numbers. And Tech actually takes a moment to be like, this is kind of ingenious, but it did send a chill down my spine. They're creating a database to identify anyone in the galaxy. We get more about how Echo is going uh, fi- to, or how Tech is going to figure out the chain code situation, uh, and he's not, and then uh, they're going to uh, essentially surrender the ship to be able to get in there. Hunter's not happy about this. And then they, re- because Omega's on the ship, which uh, Te- Tech and Echo did not know, so that adds a whole new situation to this. Uh, uh, we cut to the spaceport. The clone troopers are investigating the ship after it's been taken. Uh, Tech and Echo wait for the troopers to leave and jump down in full armor. Uh, we get all of this uh, uh, happening here, and then you find out that Omega has taken the disks. She's sneaking off here, and the whole time, uh, Hunter and Wrecker and the Laquans, the whole family there, are, have gone over to the spaceport to get signed in, and so it's Omega who runs up with these chain codes with this situation. uh, And then we hear calm chatter tech and echo here, calm chatter. See a column of clone troopers marching by tech says they can't get caught without the chain codes. Echo disagrees. Uh, And this is where we get uh, going. They know that Omega, and the disc are, are, are missing. As I said, that Hunter and little Kwanza are in line and tech tells Hunter that Omega is going to pass them the chain codes and Hunter is freaking out fearful for omega's safety sue reminds him the kids find trouble and wrecker runs off to help uh i think i'm just going to speed through this real quick and then we'll talk about this entire sequence uh over oh maybe, maybe we'll stop here and then we'll talk about the action sequence leading off with shannon so michael all of this omega get involved with this chain codes
2: people signing up the database talk to me this is a chilling concept yeah, it is. I mean, but like you really do see, uh, again, we talked about this last week, you know, kind of using the clones to have discussions about uh, individuality what it means to be a person, whatever. So kind of making that point that one of the things they did, again, from the prequel trilogy into the series, is they made the choice that all the clones started to give themselves names. It's one of the most brilliant things that they did. So automatically in the movie, bunch of like sort of clones that all look like Tamora Morrison and all were just doing their duty. And then we get to the series and you're like, my name is Rex, my name is Fives, my name is Echo. And giving themselves names made them people, took them down a road where they became characters Characters to us so to have those characters that went from being numbers to individuals having a discussion about how the empire is trying to take individuals and turn them into numbers is just great storytelling like that's just awesome uh, then in addition to that i am loving the tech echo dynamic mm-hmm. like again echo just sort of has this by the book sort of I'm a a soldier. This is what we do. And Tech, whose brain is working 12 times faster than everybody else's, who's a little bit dismissive and doesn't necessarily tell you everything he's thinking about (laughs) because his brain is working so fast, watching Echo sort of get annoyed with him as Mm -hmm. Tech's like, well, this is obviously what we're going to do. It's the best move. And he's like, how (laughs) is that the best move? Like, their dynamic is really fun. Uh, And then, to your point, when Hunter is like, this is a horrible idea, Omega's on the ship and they're like, oh yeah, fuck, we fucked up. You also sort of see, I kind of like how, as far as the Omega of it all goes, it's very clear that Echo, because he's a good soldier, doesn't quite know why they have a kid on the mission. Hmm. And Tech, because he is all intellect and very little emotion, at least on the surface, doesn't really relate to Omega at all. Like He doesn't Hmm. really know what to do. Hunter, we've already talked about, big old softy, clearly is in love with her. And Wrecker, to John's point at the beginning, it's basically on Omega's intellectual level and it's like, this is my bestie. So I do love how with the four clones uh, in the Bad Batch, you sort of have have half the clones not really knowing what to do with Omega and the other half being just completely like, she's one of us, she's our girl. And I think that that's a great dynamic as we continue. And then as far as the action of it all, this is all just classic Star Wars goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, we are, you know, there's, there's, there's troopers walking around. We need to avoid them. We need to get, we need to free our ship. We need to get over here to, the, to get them the chain code so that they can escape. There's a clock. The troopers are walking down the line, checking everybody's information. Oh yeah. shit, is Omega, Omega gonna get here? Like, this is just a really classic what we've come to expect from Star Wars and it's executed really, really well.
0: Yeah, the tension certainly is there for sure. Yeah, is Mike right here, uh, Shannon? Is this four men and a baby? This feels like this is what we're dealing with <laughs> here in this situation. I mean, it just feels – and I love it. that I love that they have Omega do exactly what a child would do, crying one second, five minutes later, leaning over from the chair. What's up, everyone? It is a great <laughs> You know, and so like she's moved past it. So, yeah, what did you think about this whole thing?
1: I mean, the coolest thing that, that I noticed um, was when Tech was doing the chain codes, how Omega is watching him, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, is she watching him because she's thinking, oh yeah, that's how I would do it too, or is she watching him saying, hey, there's five there, not four. Mm-hmm. Why? Not yet. Not yet. She'll notice that a little bit later. No, no. Yeah, I'm saying good. I'm saying she noticed it then. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that okay. she's watching him do a fifth chain code, saying, huh. well, there's four of the family who who else from our party is going with them
0: oh interesting Um,
1: (laughs) that that was my take on it right away because at first i thought okay she's an amalgamation of the four clones she has tech skills she's watching them and it's like oh no she she is maybe operating on a higher level and she realizes what they're doing um that they're trying to get rid of her oh okay all right uh laura what'd you think about this
0: whole sequence here
3: I want to talk a little bit more about tech and uh an yeah. echo. I really enjoyed this sort of sense of like playful familiarity that the mm-hmm. two of them have. There's just this really kind of fun banter as we've separated the two of them from the rest of the group um to sort of complete this section of the mission. Um it, it was just one of those things that was really fun for me. I think I sort of read tech as being a little bit younger than the rest of the group and maybe that's just in really? how he sounds um he he just has a higher pitched voice so i whether or not they all sort of came to be a part of the bad batch at the same time or if it was over the course of events i'm not sure um but he he definitely sounds a little bit younger we also have echo who's new to the group and so i kind of love that they have they may or may not have sort of that in common Um, and one of the things I sort of I remember thinking when I watched the Bad Batch arc in The Clone Wars was feeling sort of like weird a little bit for Echo. And this is me like projecting, I'm sure, but just being like, Well, he's with all these this new group of people, he's not with his old group of people, he's gonna be like in this unfamiliar ground. Is he gonna fit in with this new group Mm -hmm. who've been like this established, you know, sort of their established Bad Batch, and now they've got this new member like. I just really like that he's fitting in with them. And I just yeah. like yeah. enjoyed watching this scene where I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not the outsider. We had a couple of sequences, I think in the premiere episode where they're like, Oh yeah, no, you're just not used to the smell of our weird bunk yet. Like things like that. <laughs> but this just kind of established for me like, yeah, he is fitting in. This is a good place for him. This is where he belonged. I'm glad that he went with them in the, in that sequence of, or in that arc of the Clone Wars, rather than mm-hmm. staying with, uh, with the rest of the group, which we know, probably would not have turned out very well yeah. for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, probably not, even one of those guys pushing people around for sure all right let's get yeah. to the last sequence here we go back to the ship big old fight breaks out record comes in there's all this stuff going on with tech echo and record there for sure and at the at, in the meantime uh, omega arrives with the chain codes and notices the tech made five chain codes instead of four shannon is thinking that she noticed it beforehand so wants to kind of maybe call it out hunter in this cut kind is of surprised that hunter did not inform omega of the plan Of course, a good dad would. A good dad would have this conversation ahead of time not just throwing in at the last minute. A minute, Hunter tells Omega that the extra chain code is for her so she can go with Cut and Sue. Omega, shocked, asks if she did something wrong. Hunter explains his reason. Omega says she wants to stay. Then she gives Hunter a sad, unyielding stare as she leaves. Uh, we've all delivered that stare as children, I'm sure. Uh, then we go back <laughs> to the Havoc Marauder, uh, and this is all going down while Cut and Sue's family do get on the spaceport, but there is a tense moment where one of the clone troopers recognizes cut. I thought that was a brilliant little moment to have in there and then gets called away because of all the stuff that's happening in the spaceport. Uh, Wrecker, Wrecker, they they can't seem to disable the clamp. Wrecker says, F it, I'm going to disable this thing. yanks it off, and they're totally cool to go. Uh, And then Omega, then they hear Omega. So he asks where Omega is. Then we hear Omega say, wait for her. She runs down. Uh, to see them gets grabbed by a clone trooper hunter freezer. Uh, Cut boards the shuttle. They see the family. Cut gets on the shuttle. They see the shuttle uh, fly away. Then they get onto it with onto their uh, ship, the havoc marauder with uh, 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 Omega, and they uh, also uh, fly away themselves. Uh, and Omega finds Hunter. While they fly away, uh, we see Wrecker using a gonk droid to practice with his biceps while Tech and Echo (laughs) fly the ship. Then Omega finds Hunter working on a computer. She apologizes that she made a mistake but tells Hunter that she did not need to get rid of her. Omega says that she left Camino to be with them. She says she wants to be with them. Hunter admits that he has a lot to learn. If this is where she wants to be, this is where she will stay. Hunter turns to sit on the opposite desk as she faces... Oh, sorry. Omega turns to sit on the opposite desk as she faces Hunter, whose face softens so and we end the episode there shannon this seems to be now omega is fully on the team there's no more like questioning the situation it seems like this is dad and daughter and the rest of the uncles hanging out as well what did you think (laughs) about what do you think about the action sequences is the way it was done here and also this conversation between hunter and omega
1: well i think to kick it off when omega runs into that imperial r2 unit and that screech <laughs> it <laughs> made I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God, I don't think we've ever heard an R2 alarm system go off like this. Like, oh, yeah. that is that is <laughs> going to get that's going to get people's attention. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the whole action scene was great. I mean, the the the, the fun thing that Star Wars is always uh, able to do is you have different you have different kind of points in the action that you have the fire going on. while we're also trying to do this other thing. And Echo or uh, Tech has done his best to to uh, was it Echo or Tech who who's trying to get the the boot off the Echo Echo is it Echo yeah. trying to get the boot off the ship and then as you said John like uh, if if you can't get it with finesse. Recker comes in there and just rips it off.
0: Why is not um, Recker doing all that the whole time? Why are they wasting trying to uh, trying to science the shit out of it? Just send
1: Recker over there. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. You sorry. can't break everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but enough. The, but then, yeah, I mean, like the, the moment that you see Omega is is uh, running towards the ship in danger, Hunter launches into full on dad mode with his Rambo buoy knife, bang bang bang. <laughs> and then the way that Omega phrases this, like, you know, I'm sorry, I know know. i have a lot to learn Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because that's to me that's that's teammate talk right there that's not that's not father daughter like i know i have a lot to learn like i need you to show me how to do this stuff like Mm -hmm. don't get rid of me like i i want to be here with you guys um yeah i mean it's just really uh, yeah really kind of you know uh uh heartbreaking dialogue to Mm -hmm. hear to hear a child say that you know to a grown-up and thinking yeah like we're we're all a team like yes Mm -hmm. we're we're all the same. I'm I'm with you guys. Like ah yeah, it was just it was a very very enjoyable, especially on a, on a rewatch. You know, like yeah. you 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 catch more of those little emotional moments the second time.
0: Laura, I swing to you. Yeah, and Shannon bring up excellent points. But Laura, like this is something that Shannon just brings up at the end here. This idea of the the teammate dynamic versus the father daughter dynamic. She may know what the right thing to do is most of the time, but she hasn't had the experience, and that's where Hunter kind of. And the rest of the Bad Batch, she's got to catch up to their experience a little bit. But she's learning quickly. What do you think about this whole action sequence and this interaction between Hunter and Omega?
3: Well, that's, yeah, I think that the the interaction between Hunter and Omega is really going to be like the emotional centerpiece, I think, of this show. We're going to just continue to see that over and over again, which I have no problem with. I think one of the advantages that we have in this show over The Mandalorian was that Grogu did not have any ability to verbally express himself. We got a lot of big, sad eyes um, yeah. Which were very enjoyable and very cute. Don't get <laughs> me wrong, but this is the the advantage of, of Omega being an adolescent human is that she can actually express herself, and it's so cute. She you know like she looks at Hunter and she's like, "Did I do something wrong? Is this why you want to get yeah. rid of me?" Because she just doesn't understand, um, and I think that it's really it's really telling. That we were able to get through this this whole sequence of this, you know, we need to get rid of her. It's for our own yeah. good. It's also for my own good because I can't handle this. And then, but it's it's her choice to eventually run back and stay. Um, and it was one of those things. You know, we got through basically two seasons of The Mandalorian in 28 minutes. Mm. Um, in terms of like the dilemma <laughs> of giving up the child for its own good, good point. Um, and I, the fact that she that she comes back and she pulls away from, from Laquan family. I think it just sort of shows that importance of choice. And it's one mm. of those things that I think Harry Potter particularly drove home, that it's our choices that show us who we truly are more than our abilities. We've got, you know, this very endearing character um, that I think is also going to sort of serve as our protagonist eventually mm-hmm. um, yeah. in this show that we're cheering for that, that makes this choice and that it's her choice to stay. Um, and I think Hunter would have been sort of fine either way, whichever way she would have gone. She could have had a perfectly good life with cut. And yeah. But the fact that she chose to stay with these people, um, I think is very telling of, of, hopefully, of who she is as a person, and hopefully not because she's a spy. <laughs> Michael, Michael, I d-
0: let's bring it, Laura brings it up. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a bit of a cynic here, Mike. Is she choosing, or is this her programming that says I've got to be staying with these guys? Okay, that's a good. Uh, well,
2: I'm I think look, you can be, even if you are cynically correct, mm. I would still side with Laura in that if her programming is leading her down a road. Laura is right that at some point the the storytelling direction is, I'm going to make a choice against my programming. Like, right, like right. even if her programming is for, is yep. sending her down a road where the Kaminoans want her to be with the Bad Batch for what like, even if that is where we're going, Laura's right that the concept of choice and the concept of, do yep. I do what I was programmed to do or do I do what my heart tells me to do, it will be where we're going if we're not already there, I think. Yeah. And she uh, says yeah. that
0: to Crosshair. She says that to Crosshair. She, last she absolutely, so, yeah. which is
2: how you know. Like, it's yep. not your fault, which leads me. So two points. Yep. One on that, but before that, uh, to Laura's point about Echo, I I agree, but I slightly disagree. I think the moment where uh, he can't uh, unlock the thing and then Wrecker comes in and just pulls it off. And Johnny, to your point, like why didn't Wrecker do that the whole time? I'm curious, and I, w- I would love if they went down this road, if, if, if in the next few episodes that comes up that echo is still sort of struggling with where do i fit on this team Uh, you know you guys all have this way of working with each other and i'm still figuring it out and i would love to see an echo centric episode where he's dealing with these these abilities are new to me being a member of this team is new to me i i'm more used to the way things were back in the back in the day with rex and the guys and really dig into that a little bit more and see an episode that's really built all around the moment where he really, really becomes a part of the team, I think yep. would be fun. Um a couple things on Omega and that scene at the end with Hunter, one of the things that struck me was A, Omega knows a lot about she knows about the inhibitor chips. To Johnny's point, she said to Crosshair in the first episode, I know what you're gonna do. It's not your fault. Like she understands the clones. And she wants to be with the Bad Batch because she is a clone. And it struck me that if she wasn't female, if she Mm. was a little boy who was clearly just a mini... Clone, a mini Rex, a mini Hunter, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think everyone would have a much easier time understanding you are us, we are you, we are all the same, of course you want to be with us. But by making her a female, it automatically sort of distances her to a degree mm-hmm. where everybody's treating her more like a kid or more like a, and, and and I think she actually understands better than the Bad Batch does that she's them. When she says, to Shannon's point, the way she phrases it, I know I have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Like she she wants to be what they are. Like, she wants, you know, even in that lovely moment, the Steven Spielberg Jaws moment in the first episode when they're in the prison cell and she's copying every move that Hunter does. <laughs> like, she wants to be them because I think she understands that she was created from the same stuff uh, in a way that we, it's even hard for us as the audience because we automatically like, oh, you're cute, you're Omega, we want to take care of you. But she's a mini clone. She's as much yep. them as boba fett or anyone else is and so it'll be interesting to see uh the more that she reveals and the more that they really get into she is that she's built from the same stuff they are it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic grows agreed a thousand percent uh all right well there's our spoiler review of episode two cut
0: and run here of star wars the bad batch we thank you so much for watching or listening to this you remember you can always download it on our podcast feed the geek buddies podcast feed wherever you find podcasts
1: uh, uh shannon what do we have to tell them yeah i'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr aroka it is at the roca Sis. mikey
2: Uh, Look, we don't need chain codes, we're not gonna register you, everyone is welcome (laughs) here at the Geek Buddies. We are a free place, uh, free from empire rule, so uh, if you would like to hang out with us, all you need to do (laughs) all you need to do keep it civil as long as you keep it civil
0: yeah
2: Yeah. Uh, okay keep it civil but other than that uh, but here's some things you can do to help us keep doing what we're doing Uh, definitely smash that like button below Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page there's lots of amazing content including other spoiler reviews from all the other geeky things that are out there from the Geek Buddies Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Anchor or Spotify or anywhere where podcasts are available uh, definitely leave us some stars Uh, leave us some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your Facebook pages, put it on your Instagram stories, text it to your friends, text it to your parents. Say, hey, you should listen to these guys. They love Star Wars. And then get your parents super into Star Wars as well. That's what I do. Uh, definitely some comments below. Let us know what you thought about this week's episode. And definitely stay tuned because we have a bunch more episodes of Bad Batch Spoiler Reviews coming up absolutely absolutely and of course thanks again to the great laura kelly for sitting in and uh,
0: being going with us on this ride thank you laura where can they find you and please plug anything you got
3: sure speaking of the outlaw nation come find me and john over on the jedi way that's a show hosted on here here on his channel where we just talk about star wars in general it's every other week and it's a lot of fun and you can follow me on twitter at shut up underscore laura it's right down there that's my instagram handle as well the show that I host with my friend Alice that's an audio podcast is Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. Follow that show at Force Toast pod and stay tuned. I'll be coming back to the movie trivia showdown in the Star Wars division at some point soon. Look forward to that. Ooh. Yeah,
0: She is ready. She wants that belt on her shoulder. and You think Omega's determined to stay with the Bad Batch? She is determined to get that belt on her shoulder. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We love you, Madly. And we'll talk to you next time. Oh, can I give one more? One quick plug. Please, I've got a new show that just dropped uh, this past Friday. Me and Wendy Lee starting a new show here on Fridays. It's called John and Wendy Explain the World. We've talked about the big news stories. We did some reviews of TV shows and films that are coming out. We also talked some K-pop news, some TikTok news, some social media news. It's a it's a show completely different than anything else we do here on the Outlaw Nation channel. So please give it a watch. I'd appreciate some love for that show as well. All right, that's it. We're out of here. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of The
1: Geek. Buddies. <gasps> hey!